0: the bird show and first off i just have to open with we have not seen the last two episodes of star trek discovery we have not seen the first two episodes of star trek picard and we have not seen any of the episodes of drive to survive yet
1: so basically we
0: we are a couple of weeks behind on our tv watching
1: i blame you you have not been home for the last like
0: three evenings Well, I wasn't. No, I was home. Saturday night was not my fault. Okay,
1: but Saturday night I had my volunteer gig. So see, but all of the weeknights and Sci-Fi Friday, you failed to show up for.
0: Okay, I was drinking Sci-Fi. I was drinking scarily expensive bourbon on somebody else's
1: dime, and it was completely wasted on you. (laughs) Well.
0: I don't know if it was completely wasted on me, but the whole thing of, you know, identifying bouquets and what the the mouthfeel was. And and yeah, that part was wasted on me. But in terms of like, well, it tasted kind of good.
1: I assure you that the $1,300 bottle of bourbon was completely and utterly wasted on you because you could not tell the difference between the $1,300 bottle of bourbon and the $40 bottle of bourbon. That
0: is actually not true. I was able to tell differences between them and some were smoother than others and some burned more than others but I I could tell the difference between the Pappy's twenty and the sixteen year old Woodford.
1: Okay. Could you tell me why the Pappy's twenty was a thirteen hundred dollar bottle of bourbon? Um No. Partially Thank you.
0: Partially. Partially, And and some of it is because everybody loves pappies for some reason and it's been really hard to get for a while. And that has driven up and that's why it's quite as expensive. Because normally it's like a $50 bottle. Mm. But secondary market, because you can't find it primary, it's a lot more money. <laughs> but as for why that was, you know, a $50 bottle as opposed to the... $70 retail bottle that was going for $2300 on the secondary market that I couldn't tell and and in all honesty I thought the Woodford 16 year was really good. Well that's That was good. one of my favorites.
1: That's good to hear.
0: It's I'm glad the to cheaper know that ones too when you can
1: find it. I'm glad to know that you are a cheap <coughs> bourbon
0: date. So it wasn't completely wasted on uh huh. But anyway, we haven't seen any of that stuff. We need to watch all that stuff. The other thing that I will say is because of the ridiculously tight testing schedule this year, and the fact that we have a matter of days between the end of testing, because t- testing ended Saturday, and our first practice sessions are this coming Friday. So, because of that tight schedule, and all the stories that we have to talk about and everything else that, that's been going on, we don't have our predictions ready yet. So we're going to work on them this week and shoot for recording a show Friday, which means we're going to end up recording a show during free practice um, and then get it posted probably Saturday morning
1: so the goal is still to release a prediction show prior to the actual start of the first race of the season Mm -hmm. um that said we also run the fantasy league that we got to start well we got to spin that
0: up too um so keep an eye out on facebook for that over the next day or so because even that wasn't turned on until late yesterday Um, Because they were waiting on stuff. And I got the email from them this morning saying that they were flipping stuff on. So even that hasn't spun up yet. So we got to get that going.
1: So this is going to be a busy week.
0: Yeah, I I do not like this compressed schedule like this. And let's test in Bahrain and stay in Bahrain and have a race the following week. I'm not a fan of this. Thanks, COVID. I think it's more than just that, but yeah.
1: I think the fact that they're not leaving Bahrain is <clears throat> so the weird thing is, you kinda think about it. They just finished testing. Mm-hmm. They don't have I mean, they have four days to react to anything that they learned in testing.
0: Yep. Yeah, try and get new parts produced and get shipped out to Bahrain. The cars can't be fully refitted and refurbished. Mm-hmm before testing like or, or before the the start of free practice one i mean this is a don't like and if this is a result of the 23 race season this right here says yeah we need to shorten the season by a race or two
1: yeah well, let's see what happens as uh as the season goes on but yeah i mean this is just kind of wild and I feel sorry for the teams. You want them to have testing so that they can come to the first race with the best possible car to start the season off with. And I think it's just kind of sets everybody up for being on the back foot.
0: Yeah. So where we left off two weeks ago, mm-hmm. the international and, and yeah, I, I know we, we promised to be the unicorn chaser. We're going to continue to have the unicorn as our, album art for the time being because we are doing a bit of union unicorn chasing but we do have to talk about some russia stuff
1: well i just want to take a small small left turn
0: did you not like the unicorn
1: i loved the unicorn okay the dabbing unicorn at that yeah well but a small left turn because in this off season we've had week after week of absolutely nothing and that's not unusual yep. in an off-season. You know, it's quiet, quiet, quiet. But it's almost <clears throat> as if somebody suddenly turned all the water on to that fire hose. <laughs> and, like, we went, do we have enough stories to even have a show? To, I'm looking at some of the smallest icons across your screen as you go through all of the stories that you want to go through today. I'm, and I get, I was out of town last week, but... We got a lot to go through, so we can do our best to be a unicorn chaser, but let's kind of get through some of this stuff so that we can talk about the fun stuff.
0: Well, we would have gotten there faster if you hadn't taken us on a tangent.
1: I am the queen of tangents.
0: Anyway, where we left off after our last show, I'm going to try that again. Meanwhile. (laughs) (laughs) Where we left off, the International Olympic Committee had recommended... That all Russian and Belarusian athletes be banned from competing. Correct. And we were waiting on the FIA convening an extraordinary meeting of the World Motorsport Council to discuss the situation. And we were waiting to see what they were going to do.
1: So, naturally, as a member of the IOC, Formula One met and they rubber stamped and said we will do what the ioc said we should do and follow their lead
0: you know i i actually should put in the the league of super evil music right here league of super evil Because that's what happened. The League of Super Evil met. Mm-hmm. And instead of being decisive and coming out with a strong ruling and a strong position, they basically punted. Because as you recall, for Russian athletes for the last several years, thanks to the World Anti-Doping uh association or the wada uh ruling around the the doping in russia the last couple of years in international sports russian athletes including nikita mazapin have not been allowed to compete under the russian flag
1: correct they've had to fly what was it that they had to a neutral athlete from russia or something like that russian
0: neutral athlete was, was how they would be addressed and they, they could compete under the um, the governing body's flag for whatever sport that they were in, that kind of a thing. But they, they could not display the Russian colors, any of that stuff. That's, that's what has currently been going on. And basically, what the League of Super Evil said was, we're going to do just that. That works. So... They they sent out guidance to the drivers to the Russian drivers well Russian and Belarusian drivers as well as officials from those countries. Um, They gave them guidelines. The key points are that the display of Russian or Belarusian national signal symbols, colors, or flags are banned in public and on social media platforms. Russian Belarusian flags, emblems, symbols, and words linked to the country. Are banned from display on uniforms, clothing, accessories, and other personal items. The signing or the singing, it says signing, but it's the singing or playing of the Russian or Belarusian national anthem at any event or area controlled by the FIA is outlawed. Comments, actions, or conduct that is prejudicial to the interests of the FIA, and in particular in any sport for the Russian invasion of Ukraine, is banned. Um, They also required the Russian drivers who drive for the FIA or in FIA-sanctioned events had to sign a letter agreeing to this and that they they were going to abide by these rules. Okay. Nikita Mazvin signed it, or at least he claims he did. Daniel Kvyat refused.
1: Interesting move. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Daniel Kvyat outright refused. And of course, the rest of the world looked at this and went, well, this was stupid. Mm -hmm. You know, everybody else is taking decisive action. And the FIA stood up and said, sign a letter. We're not changing anything else. To which the um, UK, Britain's Motorsport UK, which governs all motorsport activities within the UK, looked at the FIA and said, here, hold my beer.
1: No, here, hold my vodka.
0: Either one. (laughs) And turned around and banned all Russian licensed drivers from competing in motorsports events in the United Kingdom. Which meant, at a minimum, Nikita Mazepin would not be allowed to compete at the British Grand Prix. Exactly. Now... Everyone was quick to point out, as decisive as this move was, it is fairly easy to go and get a race license in another country than the one that you hold a passport for. So this is something that they could have gotten around, but it was a fairly bold statement from uh, Motorsport UK.
1: And one that was a a statement, (laughs) it's really much more of a statement of the FIA did not do what motorsport uk wanted or thought was right
0: Mm -hmm. now quickly followed after that the uh well formula one terminated so so we already knew that the race was canceled although ross suspended well well that was the thing ross who is the and and it was that that fluff wording that they put in a statement that ross who was the organizer of the race said oh no 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 it's just suspended we could still have the race. Mm-hmm. F1 turned around on the third of March and said, "Nope, contract is cancelled. There will be no races in Russia for the foreseeable future." Which means this year, if it was going to happen, so this was going to be the last year of the race in Sochi, and then it was supposed to move to Saint Petersburg. All of that, the plug has been pulled on.
1: All righty. There
0: is no contract for Formula One to return to Russia at all. All right. So now Raskonki can't say the race has been is only suspended. He's going to have to return it's the really money canceled.
1: now. He's going to have to return the money now.
0: Now, they've since gone, and it took them about a week, but they went a step further now. Formula One has canceled the Russian TV contracts as well as terminated availability for F1 TV, which means if you are in Russia no f1 for you unless you get it illegally.
1: yeah and i'm pretty sure that we're banned in russia so they won't be able to get this the most popular formula one podcast we produce
0: well it is i mean
1: i'm I'm sorry but you need to go call putin and tell him that he needs to um, pull out of the ukraine apologize and possibly give them a lot of money to rebuild
0: So, all of that occurred, and then it was, I guess, about a week ago. It was a week ago, well, a little over a week ago. It was last Saturday.
1: I think I texted, yeah, it would have been towards the end of last week that I started to see the early rumors, and Mm -hmm. I texted you, and you said, "I I can't confirm it, I can't confirm it.
0: Unsurprisingly, Haas turned around and terminated their contracts with Nikita Mazepin and Yurik Kelly Yep. Um, if anything, I think it was more surprising that it took Haas as long as they did. Because um, we were expecting, when, when we had had our last show, we were expecting it by Monday or Tuesday of that week. And come Friday, while the rumors were ramping up, it still hadn't been announced.
1: It wasn't confirmed, but the rumors were everywhere.
0: So... Yeah, Haas announced that they were terminating the contracts on Saturday morning. And Nikita Mazepin released on social media a few hours later his own statement.
1: Oh, pray tell. What words of wisdom do we learn from Mr. Nikita?
0: And this was just the first statement of of this whole thing. Dear fans and followers.
1: He doesn't have any.
0: I no, he he's got followers, and shockingly, because I thought everybody thought he was a general joke on um on Reddit, he actually does have a little bit of a following on Reddit, too.
1: Oh, well, there's no accounting with, for with, taste. With
0: even a couple of folks like, We'll miss you, champ. Now I don't know what he was a champ of, but they're like, We'll miss you, champ. Whatever.
1: Maybe that was sarcasm. I,
0: could be. Anyway, Nikita's statement dear fans and followers i am very disappointed to hear that my f1 contract has been terminated while i understand the difficulties the ruling from fia plus my ongoing willingness to accept the conditions proposed in order to continue were completely ignored and no process was followed in unilateral step to those who have tried to understand my eternal thanks i have treasured my time in f1 and genuinely hope we can all be together again in better times i will have more to say in the coming days <clears throat> so this was you know the first obvious indication that nikita really has no clue what's going on and why it's going on
1: well if your world is protected and you possibly have no actual connection to the real news um, I can imagine his bubble is pretty tight.
0: Well, I think it, the way I take it is more from that perspective of he doesn't recognize the fact that his money comes from Kali and from his dad. That's what gets him into the sport. And his father is a close confidant of Vladimir Putin. So close that the Kremlin release photos of Dmitry Mazepin Meeting with Vladimir Putin in a meeting that was called the day of the invasion. Yeah. He was consulting with Putin.
1: Maybe they were just having borscht.
0: And and he doesn't recognize what that looks like to the rest of the world.
1: Oh, no, no. Optics didn't mean nothing to Nikita. We, we learned that when he was first signed with Haas. I mean, he doesn't understand mm-hmm. that.
0: So move forward to Wednesday and Nikita has a press conference, we think in Moscow, not sure, Um, but he read a prepared statement and since it was a press conference, he did answer questions. Um, But what he said for starters is that um, he's keeping his legal options open here and that his first interaction with Haas after well actually he said he didn't get any calls from Haas to let him know that this was happening there were no communications he learned about it when Haas released their statement is what he says okay um he says he's hurt um he says he values relationships a lot he says he believes that F1 is a unique sport because it is very much about team building and this chemistry that you have ongoing between your male and female colleagues to get in a get the car in a position where it can do well, I was very disappointed because of the way it was handled. I've been worried about my future ever since I left Barcelona, and I have been told that if the FIA or the governing body allows me to compete on their rules and I agreed to them, there will be no actions to remove me from the seat because there is no legal obligation or reason to do so. In my previous relationships with Gunther, which I rated a very good one and respected him as a man very much so, I have been used to believe 101% in his words. He's a team principal, and if he says something, it normally happens, or it always happens. But I have not heard any information from the team ever since this happened, and I learned about the firing of me the same time as it had been released to the press. I'd like to think I'm a young man at 23, and I was not ready for it. I didn't receive any hint or any support to say that this is a decision we've taken. It's going to go live in 15 minutes. Just be ready for it. Obviously obviously had a lot of messages from people. And I just learned at the same time you guys did. Okay. So he says that he didn't know anything about this. And, and you know, he was, th- this has been really hard on him. And he was not mentally prepared for this. And it's been difficult. To which several F1 journalists were very quick to point out that neither were the folks of Ukraine when the Russians started bombing them.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that Nikita's sadness is equal to that of an entire country that is fighting for their home.
0: So he was asked about, you know, his future and what it would look like. And he said, you know, I would say it's good to keep all options available, but I definitely don't want to go back to a place which doesn't want me. As you know, F1 is a dangerous sport. And you have to rely on and believe in a team that you're working with. It's a question of safety. And I think it's fair to say that I do not have that trust in them.
1: Did he just say that Haas would sabotage his car to kill him?
0: (sighs) Yeah, you have to wonder about that.
1: Well, I mean, I get he's Russian. That's probably the world he grew up in.
0: Yeah, I... I, I was staggered by by that comment right there. I was like, really? I that's mean, that's where you're gonna go with Gunther this.
1: Gunther punches walls, but I <coughs> wouldn't expect him to, you know, like cut your brakes.
0: So the he then went on. He he's he's announcing a foundation. He is establishing a foundation.
1: Oh, one that to help and support the disrupted people. Displaced people of Ukraine?
0: Well, let's go on and talk a little bit more about (laughs) what he had to say. He said, the decision from Haas was not based either on any directive from the sports governing body authority or dictated by any sanctions that were placed against either me or my father or his company. We'll get back to that.
1: (laughs) Put an asterisk in that. We're, We're circling
0: back. And of course, I don't feel this is fair. But there is something more important here. I ask the question, is there no place at all for neutrality in sports? Does an athlete have a right not just to an opinion, but to keep the opinion out of the public space? Should an athlete be punished for that? And do we want the sports to become just another public square for protests and political debate? Yes. We all know cases where one country refuses to compete with another in the Olympics because of their political disagreements. Yes. We saw in the 1980s that a generation of athletes lost their dreams and a chance to compete at the highest level when countries started boycotting one another. Is this where we want the sports to be? Or are sports a way to bring people together even at the toughest times and especially at the toughest times? My experience in the last few days has greatly informed my thinking on these questions. We all know that the career of an athlete is a short one and that it requires years of intense sacrifice to perform at the highest level. When that final reward is taken away, it is devastating and no one is thinking what happens next to these athletes. I will be addressing this. He is setting up a foundation and I can't find it. where it, Where is the name of it here? But he's setting up a foundation specifically to support the athletes who are unable to compete due to political decisions.
1: Oh my. You know, your priorities are a little out of place there. Yeah.
0: So, To to add to that, well, actually, before we even get to that point, you remember how we we just said, and Nikita just said on this past Wednesday, in his press conference, that neither him nor his father or his father's company are subject to sanctions. Yes. Well, hearing that, the European Commission went, Here, hold my beer. (laughs) And within about two hours... Nikita Mazepin was listed as the 732nd Russian to be sanctioned by the EU. His father was listed as number 723.
1: <laughs> and then followed right by Kelly.
0: Uh-huh. So you lost that one, but it gets even better. It gets better? So... The, the contract was terminated, not just for Nikita, but Yurikali's sponsorship. Well, Yurikali is pretty pissed off about this. And again, pissed off about this before they got hit with sanctions, not after. Because mm-hmm. that the, the, the sanctions adds a whole new degree to this thing. So I guess as terms of the deal, Yurikali fronted the sponsorship money for this year to Haas. Yes. They paid up front.
1: Yes. But what happens when you're sanctioned?
0: Well, it, it's even before that. So Haas turned around, terminated the contract after they'd already collected the money from Eurocali, and the car has not raced in a single race with any Eurocali markings on it. Correct. So, of course, Cali's really pissed off about the fact that we fronted you the money and the car's not going to race with our stuff and you're pocketing the money. Give us our money back. And then Which a couple, would seem
1: reasonable if we were talking about reasonable human beings, but...
0: Yeah. And then a couple of hours later, well, now your kelly has been sanctioned, so I'm not even sure Gene can give them the money if he wants to.
1: I don't think he can. All accounts are frozen, I, and I money what, can't pass back and forth if you are sanctioned. I think what he
0: has to do is he reaches out to the U.S. Treasury Department. It, well, it actually depends on where that money is sitting because of this being a transnational company, essentially. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's in the UK or if that money's in the US, but he's probably got to reach out to both the US government and the British government and say, hey, we've got this money, we've terminated this contract, we need to refund them, but they're under sanction and hand it to the government to sit on.
1: Well, that's dependent, because the one thing we don't know, your Cal is asking for the money. I don't know what the contract looks like for termination.
0: We we so I mean,
1: you don't know if Gene doesn't even owe that money back.
0: I, I'm going to work under the assumption that there are grounds here for your Cali. if nothing else had occurred, that there are grounds here that if the contract was terminated early, that Gene would have to pay that money back. Mm-hmm. However, with Eurocali under sanctions, he can't give them that money back. Exactly. So that's where he can't spend the money. But that's where he, you know, hands it to the governments and say, "Okay, you sit on this, and if sanctions are ever lifted, it's up to the US and the UK governments to go, "Okay, here's your cash from the host deal." But Eurocali can't go after Gene right now because Gene's not allowed to legally give them the money. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, there's that. Kelly um, has also said, and Dimitri has specifically said that, and, and this was before they got hit with their sanctions, that that money that they recovered from the sponsorship was going to fund Nikita's foundation oh. to support all those poor, sad athletes,
1: children from Russia, Russia, and oligarchs Fr- from,
0: from, from who Russia, their seats. Well, I we, we can't necessarily say from oligarchs because I don't believe Daniel Kaviat is, is from a what? child. Of, I, I don't think he comes from a significant amount of money, so I not necessarily. There are a few out there that are certainly trying to get into various motorsport positions that are funded by oligarchs and their money. and Daniel may be funded by one or two of them, but it's not his money that is it's not family money mm. um, but F2, they punted an entire team. Oh wow that was backed by Russian money. So that then leads to the question of well, now Haas has, Haas has an open seat. And we had been hearing about Pietro Fittipaldi being leading candidate for it. And certainly Haas had initially turned around and said, Pietro's at least the leading candidate for it and that he would do the testing. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't what. And, and everybody was looking at each other going, well, okay, we get that Pietro's the te- your reserve driver but he's not that great. Right. I mean, uh, other, yes, he's better than Nikita in in the fact that, you know, he's shown... Not at all? No, I was going to say, he's shown that he can make it around the track without spinning out and damaging the car. He just does it really slowly.
1: And also not at all.
0: Yeah. But, other than that, everyone's like, really, Pietro? Mm. Can you come up with somebody better? And actually, Gene said... Yes.
1: Here, hold my beer. Uh, <laughs> no, but... Gunther
0: said, here, hold my
1: beer. <laughs> uh, he said a few more four-letter words first. <laughs> but the Twitterverse was going nuts that Pietro wasn't going to be sticking and it was actually going <clears> to <throat> be Colton Herta.
0: Well, that that was one of the, the questions the, and, and things that folks were, were, were throwing out there was maybe it would be Colton. However, who Haas went with was Kevin Magnuson.
1: K Mag is back.
0: Kevin, who was apparently in the middle of a family vacation in Miami prior to going and racing for um, racing sports cars up at uh, Sebring, who had to back out of his sports cars contract and his Le Mans contract with Peugeot. Oh wow! To go race for Haas, and not just race for Haas. We don't know how long it is, but they signed him for a multi-year deal.
1: I am quite sure the first words out of K-Mag's mouth was, You want me? You're giving me more than a year.
0: It it, it may have been, but I'm I'm just stunned, considering how this worked out, that they signed him for a multi-year deal. And Gunther has come out and said already, Kevin was the only one we spoke to.
1: Well, to be honest, when they left roman kind of burned some bridges saying that it was about the money and he was pretty vocal about it
0: he can well k mag didn't but they, they were both kind of ticked off they that, were ticked
1: but he was a little bit more terminated, gracious. And
0: turn, terminated at the same time and you know the team gave him a fantastic send-off mm-hmm. they really did um but yeah kevin magnuson a multi-year deal That Haas, about two days afterwards, released on their Facebook page a comic that with Kevin joining the team, none of their doors are safe anymore.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There you go, Gunther.
0: (laughs) So the car has been repainted. And the, the, the paint scheme that Haas will be running is very reminiscent to the red and white and gray paint scheme that they ran their first couple of years
1: okay so the primarily gray car
0: actually primarily red and white with gray highlights oh okay um like the very first because i think it was like the third year was where when it was they went gray, gray. Um, but the the first two years were more red and white
1: i, so, I think they should have gone blue and yellow personally but that's just me
0: now Haas missed... Yeah, that would have been a good good thumb in the nose of the, the Um Haas missed the first few hours of uh, the first day of testing. Actually, I think they missed the entire first day of testing. They
1: have a logistics problem that delayed the shipment, right? They,
0: they had... Their plane broke down.
1: Ah, and that'll do it.
0: A good portion of the team got stranded in the UK for an extra day while they tried to sort it out. They got a couple of hours of... Um, testing time as a result folks they were trying to get some Sunday running uh, but instead the compromise was they got some extra time to run yeah. to test the cars
1: I read that they they missed like six or eight hours and they got an extra hour or two a night for a couple of days and then four extra hours in <coughs> the last bit mm-hmm. um, to try to make it up but they did get their time they just they were time shifted
0: yeah so that wasn't the big news to, to start off testing though. Yes. Mercedes' new car
1: broke was. the internet.
0: It did. Now, and, and actually probably almost to similar levels as the DOS system two years ago. Yes. Um, they showed up with the car that has been described as um, lacking side pots. Yes. So what they did and you can clearly see it there was a picture i saw of an overhead shot side by side of the ferrari next to next to the mercedes and the side pods on the ferrari you know we talked about the the bathtubs on either mm-hmm. side and the the mercedes is tapered in and tapered in much sharper much faster smaller intakes on the sides and i guess they're they're getting the airflow that they need but the entire packaging of the rear end of the car and the rear well from the driver back is significantly tighter than we have seen on any other car
1: they talked a lot about how narrow (coughs) the mercedes is Mm -hmm. Um, so that should be a very interesting i've been trying to follow what the effect in running is but this is the point in the show where i must remind you that testing is hard to read
0: (laughs) and we see a lot of the disinformation going on right now. Mm -hmm. Um, Initially, there was some question as to whether or not the side pods were legal and this design was legal. But really, what has folks upset, less the side pods. While, While there's been some acknowledgement like from Christian Horner and others that it's an extreme design, he thinks it's legal. Where folks are really starting to push... Is there mirrors?
1: So you got to explain to me what's going on with the mirrors. But I want to tell you what my favorite headline about the side pods was.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, there was a headline that I read. Did Mercedes out brawn brawn?
0: Well, I wasn't. Okay, we'll, we'll talk about that right now. Because I was, was going to do that in a little bit. Oh, sorry. But we'll, we'll do the, the brawn thing now. Because was it our last show or the show before that? We had the comments from Ross Braun that, you know, they had seen the designs, they had seen the preliminary stuff, and they had reviewed it. And they did not think it was possible, based on how the rules were, that they had done such a good job with the rules that they did not think it was possible for anybody to have come up with that trick solution like he did years ago that was going to give anybody a substantial edge.
1: And what did Mercedes say?
0: Here, hold my beer. (laughs) I think that's the subtitle of the show. It it, it might be. Um, So Ross this week was asked about Mercedes design after the car showed up at the track. And everybody went, huh? And he said, it's impressive. And I think this is the great thing about the innovation of F1. And it's just keeping it within boundaries which are sensible. And there are no compromises that I say in terms of the objectives of what we wanted to achieve. I think you have to be fair. I think when a team comes up with an idea, with innovation, with novelty, you shouldn't penalize it straight away. Which, that's, that's news to us, that, that F1 would turn around and say anything like that. But he, he says that, um, there's no doubt that the Mercedes concept we didn't anticipate. It's a very extreme interpretation of the regulations. <laughs> Yes. And I think inevitably there's going to be a lot of debate about their interpretation. That's what happens with new regulations. And however hard you try to close off all the options, and believe me, we closed off hundreds of them, as I say, the innovation in F1 is always extreme. So remember how you said they weren't going to do what you're now saying they just did.
1: Yeah. (laughs) So that last statement about how they tried to close off all these different options
0: Mm -hmm.
1: also broke the Twitterverse because the statement keeps making and it's so in line with my standard statement of f1 should be the pinnacle of innovation of if you know here we've got somebody that's brought something different something mm-hmm. that could that has potential here they brought it and now everybody's looking at ways to make it illegal well, whoa 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 wait a minute
0: <laughs> well there, there's that but there's also and and again ross braun who said I think it's wonderful with these rules changes, the way the the teams have have gone in so many different directions to try and deal with these rules. And and, well, that's what we want to see. Yes. We want to see these unique designs. So stop looking up and going, how can we clamp this down more?
1: Right. And then I didn't realize, but they changed the rules of how you uh, block this stuff. So mm-hmm. it used to be, and that's what the DOS system was able to do, it used to be that you needed unanimous approval from all of the other teams. Mm-hmm. Now you only need 80%. You need a super majority. Yeah. Well, now it's going to be easier to block it. And, you know, but that's killing innovation. Yeah. So.
0: So back to the mirrors. Okay, so explain the mirrors to me, please. The, the one thing that seems to be a lot more illegal than the side pod design. So, Mercedes showed up with these mirrors that are sculpted. And not just the fact that they're sculpted, but they're sculpted in such a way that, well, you've got the mirror and it's sculpted, and just behind the mirror is a set of veins. Interesting. And it's pretty clear when you look at it that the mirror is is sculpted in such a way to direct air towards and around these veins. And that's the problem. Hmm. Because the mirrors, based on how the ru- the rules are worded, are only to be used for visibility behind you, as much as they kind of suck for it. That's all they're to be used for. You are not allowed to use them for any kind of aerodynamic effect. Mm-hmm. So by sculpting them so that it's directing air around these veins, you are in violation of these rules.
1: Interesting.
0: Now, how much of an impact this is going to have, we don't know. But yeah.
1: Interesting.
0: We'll see where that goes. Um, in terms of the running and what we saw, so Mercedes...
1: Didn't top your charts.
0: They didn't top the charts they had the fourth fastest time Mm -hmm. um the one thing that folks have been pointing out though is that while they had the fourth fastest time in the slower corners according to the gps tracks that are being released by the other teams the mercedes is fastest um and it's been pointed out to mercedes engineers mercedes has been coming out and saying yeah we're we're still struggling to come to grips with this car we don't think it's there yet. We think there's a ways to go. We we do not... Lewis has come out and said he does not think that they're going to be fighting for wins to start with. Right. Um, and Georgia said the same thing. When it was pointed out to one of the engineers who was saying, yeah, we're, we're struggling with this car, we're having issues, and we don't think that, it, that it's there and it's not at the front of the, the pack, they pointed out the GPS tracks, and his response was... Well yeah, we're faster in the slow corners, but when we hit the straights because of the porpoising, we're losing all of this time. And that seems to be an issue. There there is talk that that the car does not appear to be well settled. Um, and they are comment the, the folks who have been able to watch what's going on have been commenting that the porpoising seems to be particularly bad with the Mercedes and not just in the straights, but they're seeing it in the corners as well. Hmm. Um, Mercedes has been making a wide variety of changes. So solution number one, and it's the, the easiest solution, is to raise the right height of the car. It's also the least desirable solution because if you raise the right height of the car, they lose their peak downforce, right. which means they've got to take the turn slower and that, that's an issue. So they're looking for other ways to deal with the porpoising without having to take off downforce.
1: Interesting thought. Okay. You just said that they are faster in the corners.
0: In the slow corners.
1: In the slow corners. hmm And they don't want to lose time in those corners. hmm So they figured out something that gets them the time there. Now, if they adjust the ride height to control the porpoising, maybe they could still take those corners faster. We don't know. It's supposition. And
0: and, and some of it may be the fact that because of the way the ride height is set up, they're getting enough downforce through those corners to get through them. I I don't know. Yeah. Um, What folks have noticed that Mercedes seems to be doing, um, there's a new floor that they've rolled out. Um, I guess it didn't quite get them the results that they were looking for, for the last day of testing. Mercedes actually was cutting parts of that floor. So in Barcelona, the floor they had had these waves on the edges. Um, and it, I, I don't know, but it sounds like the porpoising may have been less than we saw in Bahrain. The floor is a bit simpler in Bahrain. And they're having these issues. And it's, it certainly sounds like it's simpler than all the other teams. Mm. Um, they've been cutting back parts of the floor to see if that impacts some of the airflow. They did that on Friday, which was when they set that that fourth fastest time. Um, the other thing that folks have noticed is that the angle of their front wing um, is higher than they normally run it. And that could be another thing of... You know they're they're directing the airflow to different parts of the car than they normally would it by having that higher angle.
1: The problem is you never know what they're testing.
0: We don't know what they're testing, and and the the entire pack, their reaction to everything that Mercedes is doing and everything that Mercedes has said is, we've heard this from you guys before. Mm-hmm. We heard this from you a couple of years ago, what was it, 2018, we heard this from you, that you were struggling with the car, and coming out of testing, nobody thought that you had the car ready to go, and yet in in the first test, you were way off the pace, the second test, you were a little bit better, but still struggling, and then you showed up in Australia, and you won like the next four races in a row, so the rest of the paddock is going, yeah, we don't believe you guys. And Mercedes is going, no, re- really, it's not good. <laughs> and and that's it. I mean, it, it, we, we've heard this from Mercedes time and again. E- even when they go to testing and they're strong.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, we're Mercedes- still
0: struggling. And, and, and it, it's amazing how different the messaging is in Formula, and especially from Mercedes, but how different the messaging is in Formula 1 in preseason compared to, say, a baseball team hmm. or a football team you know preseason everybody's this is the year we're going to the world series we're gonna go you know we're doing it all the way and game one and game two you're hearing the same thing and it's not until like a month in they're like yep this it's a rebuilding year
1: <laughs> suddenly suddenly we're competing
0: with the browns yeah. a, a month later it's a rebuilding year formula one and yeah mercedes is particularly bad with it how do you think you guys are how you shape up this year? Well, we don't know. We're having some struggles, but that Red Bull car, that's looking really fast this year. And you know. Look over there. Stop looking at me. Look and, over there. And and then Mercedes shows up and they blow the doors every, off everybody in, in race one. So I yeah, I'm I'm struggling to believe that Mercedes is truly as bad off as they say they are, but who knows yeah. the one thing that everyone is fairly confident on is saying that the red bull is especially after this test looking particularly strong um the thing that has folks wondering is the last session the last test session max spun and admittedly he was on i think he was on the softer tires It's only either the medium or the softer tires. He spun at the start of that lap, recovered, came back, set the fastest time, and then ran another lap and went even faster. Didn't change tires. Mm. According to Max, now, I don't know if you can necessarily believe what Max is saying either right now, but according to Max, there was still room to go in it. But like I said, I don't know if you can necessarily trust what he's saying either. There is, however, a lot of confidence from the pundits that the Red Bull is looking strong. The other one that folks are saying is looking very strong is the Ferrari. Now, Ferrari's turning around and saying, we're not sure yet. Yeah, it looks good, but we're still outsiders. Um, We're probably still third, but not everyone is saying that that's what it looks like from ferrari they're saying it looks like they've got a strong challenger which again i wasn't expecting it with the bathtubs but i know they obviously know about more about aerodynamic design than i do so (laughs) spoilers that didn't take much well yeah
1: yeah i don't know i i don't like testing i mean this is the I like it from the standpoint of it's really cool that the season's about to start, but I don't like it because I don't learn what I want to know. And what I want to know is who's going to be good, who, who's going to help my prediction game. And I'm at a loss,
0: honestly. The big disappointment so far, well, especially for, for the, the testing in Bahrain has been McLaren. McLaren, who, who, was looking fantastic in Barcelona. They got to Bahrain, and they've been struggling with the heat, specifically around brake cooling. Mm. And it sounds like a couple of teams have been running into the, I think Williams also had a brake cooling issue as well that actually caused a fire on the car.
1: Yes, it did.
0: Um, but McLaren has had limited running because of the cooling issues. Um, now, the winner out of all of this is Lando Norris. Because Daniel Ricciardo was sick and was unable to drive for testing. And it was announced Saturday morning that he had tested positive for COVID. Oh, poor guy. So hopefully he starts turning some positive tests or some some negative tests. And he's clear with the race starting in a couple of days, with race weekend next weekend. Um, if he's going to make it through COVID protocols, he's Got to start testing positive. Negative. Or negative. Got to start testing clean. <laughs> we'll go with that. Got to start testing clean.
1: Yeah. Who's their reserve driver?
0: Um, it may actually be Colton Herta. Oh. Colton Herta was just signed to a test program with McLaren. Oh. Yes. Nice. So, still driving. It, it sounds like he's still driving IndyCar, um, but he's going to be in a test program with McLaren. That was just announced the other day. Cool. Um, Christian Horner has said, going in a slightly different direction, Christian Horner said that he thinks that pit stops are going to be slower this year. Hmm. Um, You know, Red Bull has won the last couple of years the fastest pit stop award. They've had a couple of sub-two-second pit stops, which is insane. (laughs) <laughs> um, He thinks that low two seconds is realistic, that eventually they'll get there. But the wheels are heavier. The cars are heavier. And now that they've got these covers on them, it, may, it, it sounds like they're expecting it's going to take longer to get the wheels off the car.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: Um, one of the things that he did, so the cars are about 50 kilograms heavier than they were last year. So rather hard on, because remember they don't have power jacks. Rather hard on their jackmen. True. He does say that the the rear jackman for their cars. He he's a really big South African dude. <laughs> Actually, he said he was a tall, big South African dude. So, <laughs>
1: I I'm getting the sense that the the jackmen have been working out over the off season more than they normally do.
0: Oh yeah. So yeah, even BBC is coming out and saying we're we're not really sure what testing looks like. The front seems to be Ferrari. Well, it seems to be Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, and then McLaren right now. Mm. But we don't know. Interesting. Um, one of the things that Andy Benson over at F1 says is or at BBC says is really they're Best indicator around the Red Bull is you look at Max Verstappen smirk. Hmm. So
1: there's that. So now we are on smirk watch.
0: Yeah. As for the rest of the grid, they appear to be fairly close. Um, The Williams did have the slowest time, which was surprising, um, with the Haas about three seconds faster. Okay. However... It, everyone was quick to point out that that Haas time was set um, during one of those extended testing sessions after the track had warmed up and the conditions were certainly better for the car. So that may not truly be a representative time. Um, everybody was all excited because on the first well, it was day two of the testing, it was the first day that, that Haas got out there, Magnussen set fastest time. Yeah. But testing, who knows what they were running and all of that stuff. So the usual disclaimers apply there. And even Kevin's like, yeah, it, it really doesn't mean it. It's cool, <laughs> but it doesn't really mean anything. Exactly. So. We already talked about Colton Herta getting a test program with McLaren. And by the way, Herta is actually driving for Andretti this year. Oh, okay. Um... Looking forward to the season. And since we are getting ready to start, those of you who, who consume the English-speaking coverage, we have the, the list of who you will be getting to hear your commentaries from. Okay. So those of you who like Channel 4, and reminder, with Channel 4, um, everything is highlights with the exception, I believe, of just the British Grand Prix, which is live. Uh, but Channel 4, they will be led by Steve Jones again. He's always fun to watch. He has gotten so much better. He was he was iffy that first actually it was the first couple of races of the first year. And then he found his feet and he's gotten really good.
1: Yeah. Uh, and he's got a good rapport with Cothard.
0: Yes. So Steve Jones will be anchoring it. Uh Alex jock returns uh as the chief commentator. He replaced Ben Edwards in 2021. Okay. Um Alex will be alongside David Cothart in the commentary box. Um, and joining Cothart as he does his other parts of punditry through, through their coverage is Mark Weber yet again. Um, and also, you should recognize the name Billy Monger yeah. has been part of their commentary team for the last two years. He'll be returning again. Um, Lee McKenzie has returned to the Sky uh, family. She, she had stepped away for a couple of years. Right. She's back. Um, Eddie Jordan will occasionally appear uh, every so often, but not on a regular basis.
1: You said Sky for Lee McKenzie, but that's actually BBC. Uh, Channel 4.
0: Okay. Lee McKenzie will be with Channel 4. She had, we ha- she's been doing it since BBC, but she stepped away from Channel 4 for a couple of years. She's back. Right. There we go. Now we're good. Yeah. Okay. Now, for those of us who watch the Sky coverage, particularly through ESPN. ESPN in the U.S., through the World Feed, I believe F1 TV for English coverage is also Sky Sports. Their team, once again, is huge. Huge? Huge. Okay. Ginormous. righty. So, fronting their pre- and post-race coverage as... Has been since 2012. Simon Lazenby will be back. Okay. Uh, He will be joined... Well, actually, in the commentary box will be David Croft, still. Right. Who will be joined in the commentary box by Martin Brundle. And Martin, of course, will be commenting punditry throughout their their coverage. Um, Ted Kravitz... With Spyglass? We don't know if Ted's going to have his pirate Spyglass. He hasn't brought it out since... You know, 2020, and, and he was restricted to the roof of the building.
1: <laughs> the roof of one grandstand.
0: Yeah. But Ted Kravitz will be back. Karun Chandok remains with uh, Sky. Um, remember, previously used to see him on Channel 4, so great to see him over on Sky now. Johnny Herbert continues to be part of the team. Paul DeResta, Anthony Davidson, Natalie Pinkman Pinkham, Rachel Brooks, Craig Slater, Damon Hill, Nico Rosberg, and Jensen Button.
1: So they just have a few people. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Including two world champion drivers.
1: Yeah, but they... I mean, is Rosberg really a world champion? I mean, really?
0: He's... we're, we're, (laughs) We're not doing that. He is a world champion. He deserved to win. He may not have been the better driver, but he won... More races and he got more points. He deserved to win.
1: No. He won more races. He got more points. I do not believe he deserved to win, but he won. That is the hair I'm willing to split. In
0: 2016, even you made it clear the whole things of whether or not he deserved to win or was a worthy champion was crap. He legitimately won. He deserved to even but if I don't you have don't have to like, like him. But that doesn't mean he was the better driver.
1: That's what I said.
0: No, you said he didn't deserve to win.
1: No, I said he won more races, he won more points, he was not the better driver. You
0: did not say he, that. Yes. I said that.
1: No. I, I I take umbrage with that. Fine. And I, I said he won the world championship, but as some people like to say, he is not my world champion. Oh boy. <laughs>
0: oh boy anyway speaking of
1: world champions
0: lewis hamilton will be the subject of a new documentary that will be on apple tv plus um we don't know when it's going to air yet it and it has not been named but it's i would assume within the next two years we will get that
1: that's cool
0: mercedes has revealed new safety and medical cars for this year they are red again Yes. Thanks to the CrowdStrike sponsor. Actually, the CrowdStrike sponsorship is only on the safety car.
1: But they made them match.
0: Yeah, they did. Because matchy-matchy. I think that the most distinctive piece is that the the medical car is not a station wagon.
1: Are we going to have the debate again? No. Okay.
0: The other thing that is actually kind of distinct about the safety car, you know, in previous years the light bar for the safety car was on the roof of the car. Mm-hmm. You could see it from the front and the back, and you know you had the little sign that said safety car on it, and when they turned that off, that was... When the safety car was supposed to come in, Michael Massey... But he's not the race director this year. He is not. Um, there is no light bar on the roof of the car. They have shifted the lights on the... Fr- the for The front-facing lights are at the top of the windscreen okay. inside the car... And the entire, because this thing has a massive rear wing.
1: It's got an easy carry handle.
0: Spoiler alert, it has a massive rear
1: wing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Baby got back.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, The entire back of that wing is a giant light bar.
1: Oh, that won't be distracting. They can't say they didn't see it.
0: Hasn't been an issue before. Actually, I think the real question is, Performance wise, how this compares to the last one.
1: Maybe it'll reduce drag not to have the bar across the top, and they could, you know, do the safety cars a little bit faster that help the tires. I don't know. I'm hoping that was the thought process.
0: But we have new safety cars this year. I have not heard if they're going to be alternating with Aston Martin again. Mm. Any Aston Martin SUV.
1: Well, and we don't know if Aston is going to reveal (coughs) new. You know, if if they are alternating, if they're going to share their car and their livery.
0: Yeah, we don't know. And in our last story, Imola has a five-year deal. Or excuse me, they have a a three-year deal.
1: He can't count.
0: No, well, initially folks were saying it was a five-year deal. That was why I just didn't look at this headline. Okay. Um, it actually is not a five year deal it is a three year deal they will continue to host Formula One and the um Emilia Romana mate in Italy or is it the mate in Italy Emilia Romana Grand Prix
1: that is your favorite Grand Prix title now I just want to point out
0: actually my favorite was the TBC Grand Prix that was my favorite
1: that was your favorite
0: and then they replaced it with the mate in Italy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the TBC <guarantee. clears throat> Um, I just want to say how many years, years, our podcast called for a return to Imola.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I, 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 that right there is the bloke and the bird bump. Okay, we did it. We are going to take our victory lap. We are going to do donuts in the proverbial podcast um racetrack. We got Emilia
0: back. So right now we've got the Colbert Show banner that's come down. It says <laughs> the, "Mission Accomplished" with the, the confetti and the balloons.
1: Yes, there's celebration going on.
0: And the rotting lung dude guy dancing by.
1: <laughs> that that was John Oliver <laughs> that had the rotting lung dude.
0: Oh, that's right. It was well. That's who I was thinking. Sorry, it was not Colbert. It was John Oliver who was this. We did it. Mission accomplished. Yes. And yeah. Yeah. Yes, we, uh, John Oliver,
1: we did it. We got it back. So people of Emma, you know, send your, your, your gifts, your <laughs> presents, your thank you in Italy, <laughs> your, your thank you cards. We appreciate it. We did it for you, man. We're so happy for you.
0: Till 2025.
1: It's just a start. It's just the start.
0: And on that note, we'll call a show.
1: We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank
0: you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh?